You're listening to a teaching series by Cross Culture Church of Christ. If you'd like any more information about our church, head to crossculture.net.au. Feel free to share this podcast with others, but please don't alter the content in any way. We hope you enjoy it. Good day, everyone. Uh, I first became a father back in 2004. Uh, of course, when uh, my baby daughter was born and friends and families would visit us and you know what they would say when they first saw the baby, right? Um, of course, they said something like, whoa, she looks just like you or she has your nose or she has your eyes or she has your armpits. Uh, oh, oh, Well, something like that, right? Uh, but imagine if one of the visitors, one of the friends, one of my friends perhaps say something like, whoa, your baby looks like that local butcher somewhere in that local shopping center. You know, if that's what happened, I think the feeling would have been very different that day, wouldn't it? Well, I guess uh, needless to say that it gave us much joy, uh, not, for, not just for the fact that uh, we just had a baby, but also for the fact that the baby looks like us. I think it gives us a glimpse of God's joy when He created human beings in His image. And of course, as the kid grows, uh, the more they show resemblance to us as parents, uh, the way they talk, the way they walk, uh, the way they behave as well, and, and of course, the values that they, they pick up along the way. Uh, and, and, and the more they look and act and behave like us, the more people will be convinced that they are indeed our children. Uh, well, the first letter of John was written exactly for that purpose. It's just that God is the Father and we are His children. Uh, verse John chapter 5, verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants to give us a few pointers to provide us with confidence that we have indeed been saved. And in Christianity, we call this the assurance of salvation, the assurance, the confidence that God has already saved us. And in our studies so far, John has given us two grounds of assurance for salvation. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 5 to 10, John tells us that we know that we have been saved when we can be honest about our sins when we live a life of repentance. And then in chapter 2, verse 1 to 6, uh, we know that we are saved when, when we have the desire, when we have the ambition to trust and to obey God. And today in chapter 2, verse 7 to 14, uh, John gives us yet another ground for our salvation. And John cannot be sharper than this when he says this in verse 9. He says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So we know that we are indeed followers of Christ when we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And today's title is An Authentic Family because loving one another is one very important evidence that we genuinely belong to God's family. Uh, and John repeats and unpacks this theme again in uh, the second half of chapter 3. We will look at that in due time. 
But this section, the section that we are reading today, gives us three reasons why we should love one another. So we should love one another because God commands us, because God has shown us a new reality, and because God has empowered us too. So we should love one another because we ought to, because we want to, and because we are able to. So let's look at the first one. We ought to love one another because God commands us. Verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So the commandment to love one another is not a new commandment. It is an old commandment. When God redeemed Israel from Egypt, from slavery, uh, God gave them the law. God gave them the Torah. And this law was to help them to live as God's people. And God had already then commanded people, commanded His children to love one another. In Leviticus 19 verse 17 to 18, for example, God says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But then John also said that this is a new commandment, that this commandment is true in Christ and true in us. Uh, so we know that this commandment to love is an old one, but at the same time, it is a new as well. It is a new commandment as well because Christ has infused this commandment with new meanings. And there are, uh, there are at least three ways how this commandment is new in Christ and also in us. Firstly, it is new in its depth. Uh, John 13 verse 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. When we love one another, we must aim to go as deep as the way Jesus has loved us. When Jesus loved his disciples, he stooped down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. When Jesus loves us, he went to the cross, he died for our sins. Jesus' love for us cost him so much. So God invites and commands us to love one another sacrificially. Uh, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So it is new in depth. And secondly, it is new in its breath. Uh, Luke chapter 10 verse 25 to 37, Jesus told us the parable, the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, if, you have not, if you have not read it, please go and read it yourself. But basically, Jesus is making a point that if you claim to love one another, you must not just love those who are like you, those who are from your own people, those who might love you back. Instead, you must love even those whom you otherwise won't even care about. And also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus went so far to say that we should love even our enemies. Uh, because if we love those who who can love us back, if we only love those who are good to us, if you love only those who, are, who can love us back, then how are we different from those who don't know God? 
So it is new in depth, it is new in breadth, and thirdly, it is new in its motivation. Uh, the reason we love is that we have experienced God's amazing love and mercy and forgiveness. We love as a response, as a response to how God has loved us first. Uh, before we were saved, uh, perhaps the reason we loved was that we wanted we wanted to be loved back or we wanted to earn points somehow with God so that we might have a better afterlife. But now we know that we have been saved not by our works because our works cannot save us anyway. But now we know that we have been saved purely because of God's love in Christ. Therefore, now when we love, we love as an expression of worship and gratitude to God. So we love, not only we have to, we love because, because we want to. And this leads us to my second point of the sermon. We want to love one another because God has shown us the new reality. Uh, in verse 8, John says, Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And then in verses 9 to 11, John tells us that if you hate your brothers, you are still in the dark and the darkness has blinded your eyes. Which means that when you love one another, you love one another because God has opened your eyes to the new reality. Now, I injured myself badly a number of years ago uh, playing soccer, playing indoor soccer. Uh, but I thought, you know, I thought it would heal by itself. So uh, it, it got a bit better over time. Uh, the pain came back occasionally, but I thought, you know, I could live with it. I could live with it. You know, typical man with his pride, right? Uh, but I forgot that I wasn't that young anymore. Uh, so at the end of last year, the pain came more regularly and the pain went even as far as my knee and my heel as well. It was painful even just to walk up the stairs. I thought my knee has got issue. I thought my knee is problematic now. Uh, so I thought maybe I should see a physiotherapist and perhaps there is a deeper issue there. When I went there, the physio asked me to do a few things, bend my hip backward, lift my leg, bend my knee, lie down, etc. And he finally showed what my issue was. It was back to my original lower back injury from my indoor soccer. And then he prescribed me some stretching and strengthening exercises. Slowly it gets better. The pain does not occur as regularly as uh, anymore. Uh, the knee pain has gone, the heel pain has gone. Uh, so I thought, well, this is working. So I will continue doing the exercises to get stronger and to get better. So needless to say, my attitude has changed because the, the physiotherapist has shed some light to, into my issue. Now that I know the truth, I can act accordingly. Now, the same way when God saved us, He opened our eyes to the new reality. We are no longer walking in the dark. And because our eyes can now see, therefore our attitude towards each other has now changed. Now, how, how, how has it changed uh, in terms of our attitude, in terms of God has opened our eyes? Well, firstly, we used to think that we don't need to love other people because people are bad, you know, because people are bad. But now that our eyes are open, we realize that it's not that people are bad. It's just that we are terrible. We are terrible. We, we now realize that the issue has been our self-righteousness all along. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 3 puts it this way. 
We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So the issue was because we were self-righteous. We thought we were better than others. And secondly, we used to see other people primarily based on, based on their cultural background, based on their social backgrounds, and we only love those whom we, are, whom we feel comfortable with. But then when we are saved, we know that God has brought people of all kinds of backgrounds into His family. In Ephesians chapter 2, Apostle Paul explains how God is powerful enough to redeem both Jews and Gentiles and to reconcile them to one another and to bring both into God's big family. And therefore, now we, we, we want to love those who are different from us because God has reconciled us to one another. And Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So that's the second way God has opened our eyes. And thirdly, because uh, thirdly, before we came to the light, before you came to the light, you would see those who are difficult to love as people who are different from you, as people who don't deserve your love. But now that God has opened your eyes to a new reality, you will see them more as God sees them. Uh, those who are Christians, you will see them more as your brothers and sisters in Christ. And those who are not Christians, you will see them as those whom God loves. And, and you will see them as potential brothers and sisters in Christ as well. So friends, let me ask you this. Is there someone in your life or perhaps a particular group of people that you find hard to love? Is it because you think you're more righteous than, than them? Is it because you think you're better than them? Is it because she is very different from you? Is it because you see them not the way God sees them? Friends, God has saved you. And He has opened your eyes to the new reality. I sure hope that this new reality will change our attitude towards other people. So, uh, we ought to love one another because God commands us. We want to love one another because God has shown us a new reality. And thirdly, we can, we are able to love one another because God has empowered us. Uh, John begins this section by saying, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment. So he says, Beloved, I am writing you. And now in verses 12 to 14, he divides you into three different groups. Little children, young men, and fathers. Now, if you look at John's letter, you will know that when he talks about little children, he's not talking about physical age. Uh, rather, he is talking about their spiritual age. In a few places in John's letters, in three letters, three of his letters, he actually addressed his readers as children. So we know that little children, young men, and fathers here actually represent the spiritual age of God's people. Some of John's readers were baby Christians. Uh, some of them were uh, growing disciples of Christ. And some of them were mature Christians, mature, well-formed followers of Christ. So, of course, we must ask, why does John divide them into these three groups? What is the purpose of this stanza in verses 12 
to 14. And after carefully reading this section, this is what, this is what I believe. John wants them to know. John wants them to know that this commandment to love is for every Christian. Not just for the mature Christians, not just for the growing disciples of Christ, but even for the baby Christians. John wants them to know that no matter how mature you are in Christ, no matter where you are in the spectrum of spiritual growth, you are all now members of God's authentic family, and therefore you have all been empowered by God to love one another. Now, some of you are perhaps baby Christians. You heard the gospel, you decided to follow him not long ago. You don't know yet about many Christian doctrines, but you have recently come to understand and experience what it means for your sins to be forgiven. And this experience, this fresh experience, this fresh knowledge is too wonderful for you to comprehend. And friends, if that's you, this is what John is saying to you. Verse 12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Friends, if that's you, John is telling you that you can love others because God has empowered you to love. You have freshly experienced his love for you, so use this knowledge of forgiveness to extend the same forgiveness to other people. Now, some of you are perhaps no longer baby Christians. Uh, you became a Christian a while ago, and perhaps you have grown as uh, you have grown as disciples of Christ. You have gone through process of discipleship through life groups, Bible study, one-on-one uh, -on -one discipleship, as well as uh, serving in ministry. Um, you have followed Jesus long enough, and at the same time, because you have followed Jesus long enough, you know that trusting God sometimes is not easy. Uh, you succumb to temptations numerous times, uh, but you are holding on to God's words carefully and, and you are living a life of repentance. Friends, if that's you, if that's you, brother or sister in Christ, this is what John is saying to you. Verse 14, I write to you young men and young women as well, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So John is saying to you that you can love others. Probably not because of your first experience of forgiveness, because that has been a while ago. But you can love others because you have experienced God giving you victory after victory as you continue to trust and obey God in different aspects of your life. You are an overcomer. So keep believing, keep holding on to God's word, and keep loving. That's what John is encouraging you if you are a growing disciple of Christ. Now, and now some of you, some of you are considered mature Christians. You have gone through lots in life, uh, victories, uh, God's coming through for you, God's miraculous strength in, in, in trying times, but you have also gone through deep disappointments, deep discouragements. However, you have experienced God's faithfulness in your life. Despite what life has thrown at you, you know that God is there. You know that God has and is holding your arms, holding your hands through the storms. And there are even perhaps a few times when you are tempted to just throw the towel. You know what, just, just enough with this Jesus. But then you persevere. You persevered not because of your strong hand, because of God's hand 
because God's hand is strong to hold your hand. Brother, sister in Christ, if that's you, this is what John is saying to you. Verse 13, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. So you may have been battered through life, but your intimate and personal knowledge of God is now your firm and immovable source of strength in your life. Your intimate and personal knowledge of God will carry you in life wherever God leads you. And you can love one another. You can love others precisely because you know God who is from the beginning. So, if you are a baby Christian, may the fresh experience of God's forgiveness empower you to love others. If you are a growing disciple of Christ, may your experience of God's strength empower you to love God and love others. And if you are a mature believer, may your intimate and personal knowledge of our faithful God empower you to continue to love God and others. So as I close the sermon, I want you to think of one person or maybe a group of people that give you all the reasons not to love them. Uh, perhaps they have wronged you in the past. Perhaps may, maybe they're just so different to us that we're we just not motivated to love them. I do hope, friends, I do hope that our studies in the book of First John so far has encouraged us to repent, to repent from our unloving attitude and to seriously think about loving the person, about doing something to show that we think of them, doing something to show that we love them. And I hope today's passage has reminded us a few reasons why we love. Firstly, despite what they have done to us, we decide to love them anyway because our Lord Jesus Christ has given us the commandment and the example to love. And secondly, despite who they are, we make the conscious decisions to love because we are now the children of the light. We have known the new reality. The darkness no longer blinds us. And thirdly, despite how difficult it is to love, we make our effort to love because no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, we know that God has empowered us to love. So we love others because we ought to, because we want to, and because we are able to. So go on and love one another. And let me close with the words of Jesus in John 13, 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let us take some time to meditate and to reflect on what we have heard. And after that, I'll close our time together in prayer. So let's reflect. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your reminder, Lord, that, that you have loved us, that you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, and therefore we can love because you have commanded us, because you have opened our eyes to the new reality, and because you, you have given us the power to, Lord. So we pray that the way we see others, the way we see our brothers and sisters in Christ, we will see them the way you see them, that our hearts for them will grow, our love for them will grow. And pray, Father, that we will repent, we will repent from our sins, from our unloving attitude. And the more we know you, 
the more we experience your love for us, the more we can extend forgiveness and mercy and love to others. Bring into our minds, Father, a practical, some practical ideas that we can do to love others, even, even today or even this week, that, that we can show them that we are indeed your child because we love one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.